us in service and online. We're so glad that you're here. This morning we are, as we stand and gather together to worship on this Palm Sunday morning, I, we, I invite you to stand together and we are going to worship and sing a Hosanna to the one who made a promise, the one who made a way, and the one that is going to return. His name is Jesus Christ. Let's sing together.
name is McLean Murphy, and I'm on the staff in the session here at First Pres. And I'm so glad that you're here on this beautiful, cool April morning. We at First Pres are excited to worship with you this morning. This is the beginning of what the Christian church calls Holy Week. So today is Palm Sunday. Next Sunday, in case you didn't know, is Easter Sunday. We'll be at Plant High School together celebrating. But we've got this week that's kind of set apart for us to intentionally engage in our faith, for us to walk towards the cross and ultimately walk towards the resurrection. And it really starts today in this last week of Jesus's life. And so I would invite you this morning through the songs that we sing, through the scripture that we read, through our prayers, through every part of worship to begin to engage in the walk towards the cross and the walk towards the empty tomb. Because it is this week that changes our life. And what a joy that we get to do it together in this room. If you are new, you might recognize me. I was at the welcome tent out there. That's new. Uh-huh. You liked it. You can grab a connect card there and fill it out so that we can know who you are. We can connect. We can serve you. We just want to get to know you better. And then afterwards, you can place it. We've got a box in the back. You can put it in. There's a box out there. You can also access our Connect card on our website uh, and fill it out there as well. Please pray with me. God, we thank you for what this week means to our lives, to our faith. Jesus, for every single decision and step you made beginning today. God, we pray that we would not let this week go by as just another week in our busy, crazy schedules, but that we would take the time to intentionally um, engage in our relationship with you, Jesus, that we would take the time to grab a friend and ask them what this week means to them, that maybe, Lord, you're setting us up for an opportunity to have a life-changing conversation with a friend who doesn't even know you. So I thank you for this week, and I just ask, Father, that you would draw each of us nearer to you as we think about the depths of your love for us that you showed us this week. God, we have people on our hearts and our minds that we want to pray for. We um, pray for Tim Glisson here in the room. Jesus, we just thank you for his health after undergoing a heart procedure this week, Father, and just your care for him, for his life. We also pray um, in joy and gratitude for the wedding of Danielle and Connor Dietz last night, and just thank you for their marriage um, and their celebration that they had last night. God, we also pray um, We also pray for the birth of Charlie Stallings, son of Kimmy and Charlie Stallings, and for this gift of life for their family. And finally, God, we pray for Lana Powell, who will be undergoing surgery this week. Father, that you would just calm her heart, that the surgery would be successful. We thank you for our friend Lana. God, that you would take good care of her. Jesus, thank you for this morning. We give you our hearts. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're here this morning, and um, I'm going to run a little quiz right now, okay? So say yes or no with gusto. Next Sunday, Easter Sunday, are you going to come to this building for Easter? Well done. 
Well done. It will be at Plant High School, as McLean just said, in the auditorium. Some of you have thought, will it be in the gym? Will it be in the courtyard? Where will it be? It will be in the auditorium at 10 a.m. for one worship service. But your children will be able to go wild with Rachel in the cafeteria. Isn't that fitting? <laughs> yeah, K through 5 will be in the cafeteria with Rachel and her team. And the other kiddos, you will be directed by Dream Team members as to where to take the younger ones that morning. Quiz part two, are you ready? Yes or no with gusto. When you come to Plant High School to park next Sunday, are you going to park in one of the parking lots on Himes Avenue in the front of the school? I heard a yes. And it was over here somewhere. I heard it. The answer is no. You're actually going to park entering the Dale Mabry entrance and the Sterling entrance right off of that little neighborhood. And then you will be directed by Dream Team members as to where to go. You'll be able to take a picture with friends or family members around a beautifully decorated cross and then directed on into the building. Quiz question three. The answer is yes. <laughs> I'm giving you your answer already. The answer is yes. Will you pray and think about someone that you will invite to bring the Easter Sunday so that they can hear the best good news imaginable that Jesus was not only resurrected from the grave, he's alive, which means our hope is as alive as Jesus. Isn't that good stuff? All right, Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. Y'all, yeah. I know you want to come just because I said that. Very good, Fitz, however. It's for those of you in your 20s and 30s, young professionals, young adults, we have a monthly mixer where we like to create an environment where you can experience refreshing, authentic community so that you can go deeper with each other and deeper with God. So come on, and I want you to just let me know if you're coming. There's one announcement that's not on the wall, and that is today we've started a new way in and out of our parking lot. We got all jammed up last week with people waiting on Horatio to get in. So this entrance that right over here on Horatio is the in entrance. You go out to Lincoln. Make sense? So we're going to start that this week. In this way, out that way, so that folks can come in right behind you and park. Make sense? I thought so. Now we have the privilege of celebrating baptism with the Kale family. And I'm going to invite Chris and Katie Kale to come up with baby Charlotte and big sister Caroline and big brother James. We're so excited you're here. And I want to welcome all you wonderful family members. We have, we have Chris and Lucy Kale, Ginny Kale, Jim and Joe Lackey, uh, Janice and Joe Lackey. <laughs> Jim and Joe Lackey, Janice and Joe Lackey, and great-grandmother Inga, and so many aunts and uncles, and then the godparents, Megan Lackey and Jeff Kale. We're so excited to celebrate with all of you. We just love this big family, don't we? Let's welcome them. Yeah. One of the ways that we can think about baptism is to think about being clothed. 
what I mean by that and what I think Paul teaches us and is that when we say here and surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, we become clothed in God's presence. We become clothed in God's spirit. And baptism is both a symbol, it is both a symbol and a real thing in that when we go under the water, though we're not going to dunk this kid, when we go under the water, we, t we throw off the clothes of self-rule, of self-governance, of self-determination. And when we come up out of the water, enlivened by the presence of God the Spirit, we put on new clothes, which are the clothes of the presence of the God the Spirit, Jesus Christ. That's what baptism is about. Mom and Dad and all of us are going to commit to helping Charlotte grow into this promise and commitment for herself. But for now, what we're going to do is give her to Jesus Christ, and later on we're going to do everything we can to help her make that decision for herself. Put on the clothes of new life in Jesus Christ and cast off the clothing of self-determination, self-governance. That's what we're doing here. So, Katie and Chris, as you bring little Charlotte for baptism this morning, do you affirm your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If so, say we do. And will you promise to teach little Charlotte about Jesus? Will you pray for her? Pray with her? And teach her what it means to love and serve him as a family. If so, say we will. Yay. I'm so proud of you. You are such a good big sister, Caroline. Now you get to be amazing godparents along with Jeff and Megan. All of you. That's what the body of Christ does. That's who we are. So will you agree along with this family to help raise and nurture little Charlotte in knowing and loving Jesus so that one day Charlotte will be able to say that Jesus is her Lord and Savior. If so, say we will. We will. We will too. All right. Let me take her. Big girl. Oh. <laughs> we'll go to, you want to go together? Let's go together. Do you want to play in the water? Look, not really. Okay. Charlotte Lynn Kale, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, look what God has done. She's thinking about it. Yep. I love it. We thank God for the mystery and the beauty of baptism. And so as we enjoy her baptism, allow what we've d just done with Charlotte to sink into our own hearts and lives. And all God's people said, amen. Here we go. Thank you. Thank you. First Pres, we've had the privilege of partnering and being in relationship with Young Life in Africa, reaching teenagers who have no hope because of war, because of poverty and disease, with the hope of Jesus. And for over 20 years, hundreds of you and others in the community have gone with me on trips, mission trips, 
with Young Life in Africa. And because of your long-term engagement and generosity, we as a church made a tithe in order to help launch and grow Young Life's outreach to teenagers in South Africa. So many of you have flown in and out of South Africa, but now you have a place on the ground where you're making a difference. You may recall a few weeks ago in January when my friends who are going to be pictured here in a moment were with us. Mogus Barasa leading Young Life in the Horn of Africa, which is where Ethiopia and other countries are. And Richard Adongo leading Young Life in Kenya. You may recall that on that Sunday, they prayed over us in their native languages of Amharic and Swahili. But what you may not know is that every single week, Richard and his team, Mogus and his team, Alexis Kwame, who many of you know and love, and his team pray for us as a church every single week. They are blessing us with their love and prayers just as much as we are blessing them with our prayers and our resources. So I want you to imagine this as you give back to God and continue to give back to God. Imagine teenagers in Africa who don't know your name, but now know the name and love of Jesus because of you. Yeah. So thank you for giving back to God. And these are ways that you can continue to do that. We have a generosity box in the back of the room, but I hope your heart is stirred and deeply full of joy because of what you are doing actively in a teenager's life on a continent across the pond. Friends, let's stand together. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope with no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life began
As we enter this holy week and we gather in your house, we sing a Hosanna and we turn our hearts to your life, your death, and your resurrection. And Lord, we believe that one day we will be gathered together with you, your Holy Spirit, and your Son forever. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen. Please be seated. The date was Monday, April 6th, 1998. The place was Augusta National Golf Club, Augusta, Georgia. The occasion was the 62nd playing of the Masters Tournament, one of the four majors in the world of professional golf. You can hate sports and hate golf, and you're still going to like what I'm doing next, so don't turn me off. <laughs> the hat is a gift from someone who I think is in Augusta right now, and the shirt, the hat is amen as in amen corner. If you hate golf, none of what I'm about to say is going to matter, but if you love golf, you know what I'm talking about. Holes 11, 12, and 13. Some sports writer talked about it being amen corner, and it stuck. This is the iconic logo of the Masters tournament. That's why I'm wearing the shirt, because today is the Masters. I'm going to take the hat off, however, if that's okay with you. I'll just hang it right there. If you're online or if you're in the room, here's what we can do right now. You can think about when was the time that you saw somebody famous? Who's the most famous person? Online folks tap it in. I'm going to talk about a famous person who I saw in Augusta, and it's a part of how we're going to understand what happened on Palm Sunday. Here, here it is. It's the practice rounds. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are the practice rounds. The tournament itself starts on Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four rounds of golf. And so today, Sunday, April 10th, it's always the first full week in April. Today is the finals. So they played Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They finish it off today, and this afternoon, someone will wear the green jackets, the champion of the first major of the year. This Monday, we had come over from somewhere near Atlanta, the foursome that I was there with to go and watch, and we walked the course, and here's what I did. I mean, I got down on my hands and knees and looked at the greens and got behind the tee boxes. I did everything I could do, and the, the world's greatest golf athletes were out on that course. It was just phenomenal because you can get really close to them. 
and watch them hit the ball. I'll never hit the ball like they hit the ball. <laughs> it was fantastic. We walked the course, and it was just packed with patrons, people, just thousands of people watching these guys practice, and they are phenomenal. And this place is unbelievably beautiful. There are no weeds. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not saying, oh, there's a few weeds. I mean, literally, literally, there are no weeds. They got workers in jumpsuits, green and white, running around. Patrons don't put trash on the ground. But if one happened to drop something, bam, it's up that fast. And literally, go there and look for a weed. I'll give you 10 bucks if you can find one. They taught Disney everything. <laughs> Anyhow, all day long, the weather was good. I'm hot. I'm tired. It's Augusta, Georgia. I got a seven-and-a-half-mile drive back home to Tampa on a Monday night because on Tuesday morning I have an 8 o'clock meeting, and I can't miss the meeting. It's non-negotiable. And there's this kid. He's 22, and he had risen meteorically to number one in the world, and in fact had won the tournament last year, 1997, by a record low score and by a record margin, 12 strokes in front of number two. So far back, he had to get a binoculars to see where that second-place person was. You know his name, Tiger. And there we are standing near the putting green, which is adjacent to the first tee, and there's a little bit of a hill and a big oak tree in the clubhouse. And I'm tired and I want to go home because i got this long drive. I'm going to drop somebody at the airport on the way. And all of a sudden, this kind of whisper and hush comes over the crowd. Tiger's coming. And Tiger had an iconic caddy named Fluff. And he had a mustache and all this stuff. And we see Fluff coming from the clubhouse. And then in the bag was the iconic Tiger, the big head cover that he wears on his driver, that he places on his driver. Tiger's coming. Out come Fluff in the bag and 10, 15 steps behind him, Tiger Woods. Tiger and Fluff step towards the putting green, the practice putting green. But then I'm serious, within 40 seconds, the entire putting green was 15 deep in patrons. And all the way down the first fairway on both sides, five deep in patrons. We're going to, on our tiptoes, get to see Tiger. It was unbelievable. That was the unbelievable, the most, Tiger Woods at the time was certainly the most recognizable athlete on the planet, if not the most recognizable person on the planet. And that's as close as I can come, but I'm not taking the shirt off. <laughs> to help us understand what happened on what we've already described this morning is Palm Sunday. That's what Jesus' followers have come to call today because a week from today is Easter Sunday. So we think of today as Palm Sunday. And you may or may not know why we call it Palm Sunday, why I have palms here, why they're on the floor, but you'll know by the time I finish why that is. See, like Tiger, or in a way Tiger could never or anyone else could ever do, Jesus had gone viral. Here's what's happening on that day. The procession begins about two or three miles east of Jerusalem and east of the hill in Jerusalem. And on top of the hill is the temple, the center of the Jewish religion. The hill has a name, Zion, Z-I-O-N. And so east of that, 
Jesus is making his way into town, but he's still a couple of miles away. Bethany or Bethphage might be the name of the villages where he's nearby, a couple of miles away. Doesn't seem like much to us, but they're on foot and on animals, and so it's a pretty long, long, a pretty good way for them. And here's what had happened. People had been following Jesus. He drew crowds. And what happened? He said words that gave people hope and peace, and he touched people and loved them and healed them. He cared for them, and they were drawn to him by the thousands. There was a large crowd following Jesus in. They had two kinds of hope that had brewed specifically about this person, Jesus, because of who they thought he might be. They had hoped that Jesus would lead the people back to a clear and honest and authentic relationship with God. They wanted that deeply, like you do, like I do. But here's the other thing that's really important for us to understand. They hoped that Jesus was the promised Messiah. And what was Messiah mostly going to do? Messiah was going to put the nation of Israel back on the political map and rid the people of Israel of the oppressive Roman occupier. They hated Rome. They loathed Rome. Why? Because the heavy boot of Rome was on these people's necks, forcing them to pay taxes and allowing them to practice their religion, but otherwise just despotic. The Roman people were loathed. Here's how the Jewish folks felt about the Romans. They were not followers of Yahweh, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the, the God of Jesus. And therefore, they were just people who were unclean. They did all these grotesque things in their worship of whoever they thought was God or whatever they thought was God. The people of Israel were financially crippled. Most people were regular, ordinary working people, didn't have much. They worked six days a week, and Rome made them pay this onerous tax. They hated it. And thirdly, and obviously, the people of Israel were militarily occupied and they were oppressed this is all just what we mean by oppression I want you to think of it this way think Ukraine now the atrocity that's going on in Ukraine it wasn't like that because they weren't just running around randomly killing people but if you got out of line oh they'd hang you on a cross that fast making sure that you knew you mess with Roman this is what happens to you So Jesus' crucifixion, which you and I know is coming Friday, that wasn't anything unusual for the Romans. And do you think they felt bad about it? There's no way. They had one job and one job only, which was make sure that you knew who was in charge. And they were good at execution and proud to be good at it. The Ukrainians are Christians and the Russian Christians This is just a little education for you. You may know this, you may not. They are mostly what we would call orthodox. There are other kinds of people. They're Protestants and non-denominations and all that. But the orthodox movement is one of three major movements in the Christian world. And so you had Roman Catholicism, you have Protestantism, and you have orthodox. So Greek, Russian, what have you. So what's going on now today in Ukraine? 
in Russia, these poor people are being duped with, with, with the propaganda. The Russian Christians who love Jesus do not know what's going on. And you and I need to pray for them. If not, they're going to carry a huge weight of guilt the same way the German Lutheran Christians felt guilt after they realized what Hitler was doing. That's what's going on. But the Ukrainian Christians are rushing to the front of the thing. They're all in. Pray for them. There's nothing else we can do. I've been thinking, how can we do something about Ukraine? And you maybe find a way where you know your money is being spent well, send it. There are great things out there that people are doing to help. But here, here's what we can do. We can pray. We can pray the prayer like it's about to get prayed here in this passage that we're going to read. That's what's going on. That's the backstory. So, D, D, um, what's, what's the word I'm trying to say here? Take all of the happy, smiley stuff out. There's nothing wrong with being happy and smiley and dressed up and saying, yay, Jesus, because it is going to be yay, Jesus. But friends, these people in Israel, these followers of Jesus, they're under it. There are powers at work in their lives, and they have to decide, in whom am I going to put my loyalty and my trust? And that's this party that breaks out on what we call Palm Sunday. So let's, oops, look at this. I'm coming apart at the seams. <laughs> Amen, corner. I have this Palm Cross. It fell off, so I'll just tell you now. There is one of these for you. When you leave, there'll be baskets at the doorways and out on the, under the uh, tent. And you can just take one of these, and it'll help you to ask and answer the question that we're wrestling with today about how we're going to respond to the coming of the king, the sovereign of the universe. Let that word sovereign sink in, because that's the question we're going to be getting asked today. It all comes down to this. It's our move. Am I going to throw myself in with the sovereign? Let's, let's read the text, the Palm Sunday text. These are familiar words to many of us, but if they're new to you, fantastic. As they approached Jerusalem, remember they're coming from the east, working their way west, and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, again, a couple of miles away from the mountain Zion on which sits the temple in the right dead center of the city of Jerusalem. Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. You untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. <coughs> Excuse me. And the prophet is a person who spoke about these things in a kind of predictive way 800 years earlier. Say to daughter Zion, that is the people of Israel, that is the people who worship at the temple on the top of the hill called Zion. Say to them, say this. See, look, your king comes to you. Your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, not a war horse. The sovereign king is coming, but it will not be on war horses in military triumph, triumph, triumphantly militarily. Riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. 
the disciples, that is Jesus' followers who were there with him, and that word is broad. It's not just the 12 that you know about. It's a, a bunch of people. Anybody following Jesus is a disciple of Jesus, and this word means that. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them, and he brought the donkey and the colt and placed the cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. They placed the cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted. They shouted these words. It's like a prayer. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. The first question I want to ask is, what's with these cloaks? And I brought a nice cloak. So here's what happened. The cloak just went. Maybe you had a chance to politely take your jacket off and put it down on a puddle because the lady that you're escorting needs not to step in the puddle and get her shoes wet and must. Most of the crowd... Poor, regular working poor people probably only owned one cloak. If one of you swipes that cloak for me this morning, I can go home. I got a closet full of them, not them. So what's the meaning of this? It's a gesture. And what it's saying is when they put their cloaks down, I am celebrating Jesus. And I will give him anything else that I can, anything. That's what that means. And so what I want us to understand is what's happening is these people are choosing. They're choosing with all of the context of the Roman occupation and, the, and being ripped off financially. They're choosing to place themselves under the authority of the coming king. That's what's happening here. Watch what I'm about to say. They are defying Caesar. You follow what I'm saying here? If Jesus is Lord, Caesar isn't anymore. They're defying the powers of the king of Rome and naming Jesus their king. And here's, in a sense, what they might be saying. Into our town is coming a Messiah, our king, and he's going to make it all right again. We're with him. I'm his. That's what they're saying. And, and what about these palms? How can I run up and down and make a parade? I'll just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Carl F. Walker gets a palm branch. <laughs> Keely Lynn. Earl Randy Hill. <laughs> the people wave the palm branches. And again, it's not unlike what we just said about the cloaks. It is celebrating a new sovereign's dynasty. That's what's happening this day. Wow. This place is loaded with energy and with trust, and with hope. Son of David, we read. Now, what that does, branches, cloaks, son of David, that's connecting these people in their hopes and their beliefs. Messiah is going to be one like David. 
1,200 years earlier. That's when Israel was politically and militarily strong. And as I like to say humorously, there were two chariots in every driveway and a chicken in every pot. Things were going well. And there was faithfulness to the love covenant with God. When David said, we must love God and maintain this covenant relationship with him. So the people wanted to be politically free and they wanted to relate to God in the right way. When they say son of David, that's what they're yelling. I want it to be right again. You can feel that inside yourself. I know you can. I can. This is the moment for them. This is the moment we've been waiting for. Jesus is going to be the kind of king we want. Palm branches, cloaks, and then this other word, Hosanna. It showed up in the text, obviously inspiring the song that we sang. What's Hosanna mean? Well, it sort of moves. It starts out meaning, help, save us. But it grows into meaning, yay. It's both at the same time. Hosanna. It's a prayer. They're praying and they're hoping and they're wanting and they're hurting because the powers in their life are hard on them. And they believe that God will make it right. And so they pray this prayer, Hosanna. It's a funny thing about prayer. Once you invite Jesus, if you give it all you have, if you're all in, you invite Jesus to help you, he's going to do stuff way more thoroughly than you and I could have managed, could have imagined. And what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is this whole triumphal entry. And some people, by the way, call Palm Sunday, this text, the triumphal entry. And I would recommend that you think of that as well. This, this triumphal entry episode in Jesus' life is almost like a lesson, an object lesson, in the way that our prayers that show up in our expectations are mismatched with God's answers. What I mean by that? It's sort of a bad news, good news story. The bad news is for these people, and maybe also for the way that the powers are impacting you and me, for these people, they're going to be disappointed. Because, see, they wanted a war right now. And they were willing to die right now because they wanted rid of Rome. And Jesus just doesn't fix that problem for them yet. But here's the good news. Jesus' arrival deep, deep down at the fundamental level of all reality, salvation has come. See, you and I know what's going to happen next Sunday. We know it's Resurrection Day. And to start with, death itself is defeated on Easter Sunday morning. And I believe that God is going to make all these things that are wrong. He's going to make them right. The injustice in the world, it's going to get fixed. Read carefully the whole Bible, and it gets made right. 
all things are put right. Political things, military things, injustice, unfairness, hunger, disease. All of it gets fixed. But first we must kill death itself. Now they wanted an answer that met what they saw going on for themselves in their lives at the moment. And I get it. I would too. So would you. But Easter is even bigger than that. And we, though they didn't know, we know what's coming next. And so that's where we're being invited to go right now. It's all coming down to you and me having a choice. What powers threaten you? What powers threaten us? Maybe you've prayed like this. Pay my bills. Give me a hopeful prognosis. Repair this relationship. I need a new job. End my sadness. It just comes up. I don't even know why. And maybe your prayer is just a real simple prayer. Help! Jesus fully intends to answer all of that. And he will. When he establishes his reign and rule as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, it's coming. And the decisive battle has been won. It happens Friday through Sunday coming up. Death has been defeated. These folks still don't know it yet, so they're going, oh, what do we do? Jesus is calling you and calling me to give everything we have of ourselves to him. All in. Hosanna, son of David, make it all right. That's what you're being asked right now, today, with what's going on on tr the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. You're being asked to respond one way or the other. Are you with me, he's saying. So what are some ways that maybe you feel hemmed in or squashed or getting bashed by the powers of the world? And I mean that as a real question. If you're online, the online ambassador can type it up right now. What are you hemmed in by the powers? What's going on in your life? How are you getting bashed? It may be another question is how... Is someone else you care about and love getting bashed? And what could you do to sort of stand in there with them? It may seem like it now. It may not seem like it now. It may not seem like it where you are. But all the powers that are not the risen Jesus powers, all the powers that are not the risen Jesus powers, those powers someday will fail and fall. Is Jesus your sovereign? It's your move. Let me pray for us. Gracious God, there may be somebody in this room who's never declared you sovereign. This is the first time. It may be that for decades and daily, we've found a way to say, I give you myself again. I want you to have all of me.
I surrender to you. What a powerful way to think about who you are, the sovereign, almighty king who will establish his kingdom and make all the powers that are not your powers fail and fall, and it will be the way you want it to be, and it will be that way forever. I surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, everyone. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope, no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come. Arrested in my life again. Right, let's sing it out, church. Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains. My orphan heart has given it My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to death.